0: Welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Wabo's most Canadian work, five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Reuben Morehouse. Thanks, Elliot. It's me. And we're here to talk about Void 7.10. Um, so, last chapter we ended with Blake again thinking about getting an implement. And I feel like this is a a sort of Damocles that Wabo's really enjoying dangling over us in this <laughs> chapter as well. <laughs>
1: I mean, uh, we already sort of talked about it last time, but we we went through that whole thing in in seven point eight where yeah. we talked about how bad the hyena would be as an implement, and like based on how this chapter ends, it almost feels like Walbo must have read that comment and just decided <laughs> to fuck with this user and we've We've accidentally walked into it five years later because uh, yeah. it's it's perfect
0: it's a real will they won't they isn't it um but we'll get to that later um so this this chapter starts with blake and his cabal standing around outside the demon factory discussing how they'll survive if they go in and that is a very generous if because it from this discussion it seems like they're definitely going in i mean blake's just really like a bit
1: of a dog with a bone uh when it comes to this stuff like he won't he won't let it go, and it's kind of noble. Like, like his his need to fix these wrongs that he has encountered or overcome, like what he sees as his failures. It, it's kind of noble, but at the same time, uh, uh, stupid seems harsh. But it, it's just <laughs> this sort of like, like what you know, chill out, dude. One step at a time. Like,
0: fine. Yeah, and it it is also kind of uh, a dog move, may I say, because. He's with all his cabal here, right? And and it's very obvious that none of them want to go in. But, of course, if Blake does, they will. And so he's just kind of like, yep, let's do it, gang. Yeah, I mean, they really are just
1: his, his cabal now. Like, I, I, I sort of got the same vibe. I was like, why is nobody bringing up the fact that this is just pretty much a straight-up cabal now? Like, we have- yep. Blake leading his group to the factory being like, okay, he's the demon. Let's all brainstorm how we're going to take it out. Like, they're just straight up cabal and Yeah, um,
0: they're going with it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, I guess. Maybe it'll all yeah. work out. There's only one chapter left in this arc, so how bad could it be?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think pretty fucking bad is the response to that. Um mm-hmm. I, I also just wanted to call out the opening paragraph, sort of jumping back a bit. Um, I'm just going to read it out. The sudden shifts in weather had made for some spectacular changes in the environment. Ice had melted and refrozen into spiky groupings on branches. Tree branches hung low and a mist hung over much of the area. And I just love how... Because shortly after this, we find out that we're at the uh, factory again. Mm. But immediately, this sort of description of nature... Like, it's it's all describing, like, nice trees in snow. Like, it should be nice, but the language is... Very like everything's spiky and hanging over things, and there's really just this sense of like foreboding, I guess, or just like claustrophobia and danger. Yeah, uh, right from the get go of this chapter, it's sort of like things are not okay. Things are changing, but they're not okay.
0: Maybe the maybe what this is meant to imply is you know conquests gone, but not forgotten. Like he's mm. his direct impact has has lessened, but he's obviously left his own kind of uh, radiation, I guess, as it'll be termed later in the chapter, on- on the world. Or even if he's gone, things aren't- that doesn't mean things are okay, yeah. basically. Yeah, you're right. It, it- it- gives us a good foreboding sense before we even find out that it's the factory. Hmm. Um, I want to pull out this other line, uh, where Alexis asks, How do we do this? Carefully, I said. Ty smirked, I think I was five the first and last time I found a-, f- a line like that funny. Um, uh, something i've noticed uh, over this arc i suppose uh, but over the c- course of the entire story as well is i keep pulling out more and more joke lines and i i didn't really have this impression of the story when i first read it but reading it more slowly i'm i'm really appreciating how funny this book is <laughs> like it's it's i would never obviously say that pact is a funny story because obviously people would think i'm in a monster if i think that based <laughs> on what we've seen so far but like every single chapter we have a, a few of these laugh lines that are genuinely like laugh out loud funny i i think pack deserves a bit more praise than it gets for being a funny uh, a funny story
1: yeah, no, I I would feel comfortable saying Pact is a funny story, because I would agree monster. that there's a you're lot of evil. humor, but How dare you? <laughs> um Yeah, I wouldn't say it's mostly a comedy. Like I, I would not describe Pact as a comedy, but I would say that <laughs> it's, it's a comedy one series. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But um, well, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of humor injected between all of the pretty hectic stuff going on. And I think that makes it a lot easier to read. Like it's not as heavy when between demon fights, we have great sequences of um, e- Evan trying to hype Blake up to, to give him <laughs> fire powers. Yeah, uh, I mean e- Evan carries a lot of this humour, in my opinion, uh, or or lightening the the story.
0: You're right that Evan does carry it in some ways, but I also think I, just the the fact that we have this cast of you know four or five characters who almost by definition, aren't taking these things as seriously as they should. it, yeah. it They are just a, a funny group, right? It does just lead to them having a lot of funny uh, little character interactions. Like, you really feel like, oh, these people are friends, they make each other laugh, and they have fun hanging out.
1: Yeah, I- I'm honestly a bit of a sucker for the whole, uh, like, people not taking situations as seriously as they should, humour style. Like, you know, it sort of <laughs> defines, like, Stargate and Archer and some other shows I'm a big fan of. Uh, so it, yeah, like I'm always, I'm always a fan of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. and Pac, Pack does it a bit.
0: Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, they basically talk about how it'd be a terrible idea to go inside this factory and everyone's pretty much convinced they shouldn't go inside and then they plan what they should do when they're inside. So it's happening.
1: Yeah. Which I don't. Uh, yeah, Blake's just a bit of a maniac, isn't he? Like, there's, there's no reason to be worrying about this right now. Yeah.
0: It, take a day, man. Take <laughs> yeah. a single day off, Blake.
1: I, I think I think it's said that he took at least most of a day off, but... Oh, okay. That's all right. I mean...
0: That's all right. After what, yeah, oh, being yeah, eviscerated, no, no, no. like, six <laughs> times in the past week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I'd take a week if yeah. I were him. But, it, yeah, like, he's just... He can't be stopped. Uh, <laughs> and We'll get into that a bit more uh, when the sisters have some stuff to say about it, I think. Yeah
0: yeah true um so yeah there's one part that i want to touch on here which is blake has a little train of thought reflecting on alexis as she goes to to have a cigarette and kind of thinking about the idea of finding beauty in roughness rough textures um and uh, there's a line where blake kind of calls alexis beautiful but kind of corrects himself when he accidentally calls her rough or crappy but like he he thinks that right i mean like obviously he 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 likes or loves Alexis despite or because of her flaws but it's weird that Blake isn't isn't kind of able to say to himself oh yeah those things are flaws
1: um yeah I I mean you're right this sort of train of thought is all built around sort of him talking about how he thinks those little flaws and and imperfections are kind of what make you unique and and even more beautiful in Mm -hmm. a way um I mean, there's just a lot of Alexis stuff in this chapter. It has me very concerned. And I'll probably talk about that a bit more at the end. But okay. uh, there's a lot of Blake and Alexis noticing each other, noticing things. And, yes, they seem they seem very in sync and uh, affectionate, I guess, mm. sort of towards each other, this whole chapter. And that has me concerned.
0: <laughs> it's never a good thing in a Wild West story, <laughs> huh? Um so so, Evan uh, comes back from a, a brief flight, uh, and he talks about how he had a run-in with a hawk that and was almost killed, in air quotes, I guess. Um, and it was weird to me that, like, I know Evan's immortal and he wouldn't actually die, but he seems to be very okay with the idea of hawks almost uh, eviscerating him. I mean, I guess he takes after Blake. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he's smart enough to think, well, if my escape powers can work on Conquest... <laughs> uh they'll work on a random hawk that's fair uh but y- yeah i agree cuz you're right e- even though he's immortal e- evan is definitely smart enough to realize that him being eviscerated by a hawk would take take it out on blake uh pretty hard yeah so e- yeah i agree he-, he seems cavalier but you know he's he's an 8 year old boy it was it was a bit of a- an excitement uh, yeah. i guess
0: you're right that he is like designed to escape things <laughs> so that's a pretty good point <laughs> um yeah and the other thing about evan this chapter is we get the idea of uh, Evan becoming a fire sparrow. Um, again, a, a uh, somebody in Blake's cabal recklessly seeds the idea of something awesome <laughs> in Evan's head, and he runs wild with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. The whole bit where uh, Ty sort of brings up this idea and Evan's reaction to it is fucking cute and hilarious and, <laughs> and great. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, and Blake is very kind of like, I think mean, he doesn't act it, but you can kind of tell that he's a bit annoyed that this is happening again. <laughs>
1: Oh jeez I, I would even say he acts like he's clearly oh, okay. he's clearly uh disapproving and just he doesn't outright say it but I think I think you'd have to be a bit oblivious to not read between the lines <laughs> of what he says to everyone about this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he de- I think he's trying to take the strategy of ignore it until it goes away. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is never going to work. Mm. But yeah, I I don't know. This whole this whole Fire Sparrow thing seems too good to be true for me. Like I it sounds awesome. Like, Evan's right. I, I love this idea of him becoming, like, a phoenix or something, uh, which, I mean, I, I've been trying to find the downside, because there, there'd have to be some sort of downside to this. And I guess I worry what it might do to Evan's psyche, like, changing himself on this sort of level. I wonder if that affects his personality uh, in a bad way. Um, You know, like maybe becoming more fire-based will, you know, make him sort of rougher around the edges, which I don't know if, if I like the sound of.
0: I would assume that becoming a fire sparrow or a phoenix would kind of take away from the inherent escapiness that he has because he is a sparrow. Um, I don't know. That, yeah. It just kind of comes to the top of my head. It's like a, a side grade rather than an upgrade.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because people worry about, you know, the symbolism of him being fire-based considering that is sort of associated with hell and demons a fair bit. I don't know what a creation sparrow looks like, but I feel like that would send the best
0: message. <laughs> I have um, no idea what that even means. <laughs> I, mean, I guess we'll see.
1: <laughs> I just want to associate him with creation, because I think that opposes him to demons symbolically, which I think yeah. would, would be a good idea. Um, yeah. Also, just, just one last note I, I had thrown in my notes here. Um, like Evan, Evan talks about being a phoenix specifically for a bit, and their whole thing is like coming back from the dead. And obviously, like, Evan has sort of literally had to put himself back together, to quote Blake, a, a number of times. So, mm. I, s- I can see that working, like, in terms of, like, him making the leap there. Like, he's someone who has come back to life sort of multiple times. So, like, tying him to a creature that's sort of main thing is coming back to life. I I can see the the connection there.
0: Yeah, and, and if Blake is fated to die... <laughs> uh... Having, yeah, having, be helpful. Getting some uh, coming back from the dead powers might not be the worst <laughs> thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. So the Cabal kind of starts to head off to do some chores when Ty almost takes a photo of the warehouse and, Blake kind of flips out, I think appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, I,
1: I agree. Um, it got me thinking, though, like, with, with more forethought, this could be a good strategy because you could kind of pull little bits of the demon out and experiment with them. Like, you'd mm-hmm. obviously have to be careful, but... I mean, better than fighting it on its own turf, right?
0: I mean, yeah, unless once you get it out of there, it just kind of grows. I mean, they they touched on the idea of the graffiti being a binding, and I don't think you want to take it out of that.
1: No, but that's what I'm saying. I set up like a little binding outside and then take a picture of it and put the phone in there, you know, kind of like what they did to Conquest, build a mm. little circle and, and, and trap another copy of it outside. I don't know. Mm. Uh, it just feels like a way to test ideas on it or something at the very least.
0: Yes, but having said that, when you try and- uh get too smart with these things it never goes quite to plan
1: yeah i i could i could completely see myself setting about something like this being like yeah this would be a good way to have it in a controlled manner and then just getting killed like (laughs) i don't think i'd last very long as as a as a diabolist and this is
0: probably an example of why yeah fair (laughs) too tricky too tricky for your own good um (laughs) i i want to touch on a line here where alexis uh pats her coat and says oh i forgot my notebook in the car maybe i'm being paranoid but I don't trust anything being forgotten when we're around this factory, right? Like, (laughs) something's going on with this notebook, Elliot. I'm calling it now. (laughs) No, but does it make sense that she would forget her notebook in the car because of, like, I don't know, the radiation that's leaking out from the erasure demon? Or is that... Am I just reading too much into it completely?
1: Yeah, have you seen my tinfoil hat anywhere? (laughs) I can't can't Uh, find it. No. Um... Uh, yeah, I... I don't know, this, this line didn't really jump out to me. I guess, like you said, it it was put here for a reason. I, I, I could buy that radiation thing. I I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I still feel like maybe
0: it's reaching, but it's probably worth something. <laughs> it's probably something worth holding on to. Fair enough. Uh, Fair as enough. an idea, yeah. Um, I really like the end to this segment. This, this arc is, uh, this chapter is divided into like four segments, and this one ends with Blake saying, we need to think about a way to produce as much fire as is humanly or inhumanly possible. Oh, Evan said, hopping around on my shoulder, Blake, Blake, I know, I know, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah,
1: it's, it's what we were just talking about. It's fucking adorable and adds a bit of humor. Like, Evan's innocence, as we sort of said, is, is one of the primary drives of a lot of the humor for me. And it's
0: so good. I feel like he's just doing this to annoy Blake at this point, though, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So the Cabal next go to visit the Astrologer. Uh, and and it cu- kind of becomes clear that they're going on a few chores here, talking to all of conquest champions to basically ask them for permission to practice magic again, because obviously one of the rules of the conquest contest was they can't practice magic, and that contest is technically still going.
1: Yeah, and so like Diana has the coolest setup mm. like ever. Like I love this. Like it almost seems like she's more of a technomancer than yeah an astrologer. Um actually got really mad when uh, like Ty and and Blake sort of encourage her to geek out on the specifics and then it sort of cuts out and it's just like, oh, that was pretty boring. And I was like, no, <laughs> uh, no, I want to like, see it. I guess that's, that's the computer scientist in me wanting to see, you know, all this uh, computer magic stuff. But I was yeah. like, oh, fair enough, but I'm really ticked off. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I just loved like, this insight into Diana and, her whole setup, I found super fascinating. Like, I'm so much more interested in her and uh, her. Her old master who gave his gave his life. Like this, I, I just find all of this really fascinating.
0: I, the thing I like about this is, again, this is another type of Practitioning we're seeing that's just completely different. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's as though like this is this is you know in in a different book. This is the entire magic system is just Diana's stuff, right? Um. And it's just like, man, th- this world is so rich with with all these practitioners, and we don't even get to explore all the cool implications of this techno techno magic setup. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I agree. Yeah, um, I it's a nice little twist. I think that that Blake can't do any magic, right? Like, it's something that you don't really think of, but it's like, oh yeah, the contest contest is still going, so they have to go around begging for favors from all the champions.
1: Yeah, it's a nice excuse to sort of have them travel around like this. Um, like you're right, I'd it sort of slipped in my mind, and I think Blake had thought it off and on, but it's sort of like it it hadn't occurred to me that it was going to really be an issue uh, until we sort of realized in this chapter, like conquest might be tied up for a fair while. So this is something that is
0: going to have to get fixed. Yeah, and it's good to um, it it kind of serves a good narrative purpose as a little wind down and like checking in with some of these other characters that we know are, are still kind of out there and, and seeing where everything stands post the the pizza meeting from last chapter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the astrologer kind of grants their permission or at least gives her vote towards yes, uh, but in exchange they have to go talk to the Sisters of the Torch and and try and kind of take the pressure off Diana a bit.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I guess just sort of talk talking of this whole plan so getting getting everyone's votes. If this had come from just regular Maggie, um like <laughs> I'm still still uh sticking pretty strongly to my Patriarch theory. Okay. Um, all right. I, I don't know. This plan didn't make sense to me at first, the whole get all of them to vote as the voice. Like it seems it seems like they're kind of pushing it. Uh but like I get I guess I'll go with it. Um but mm-hmm. yeah, like it's uh it's an interesting plan. I can see why Blake had it down as plan B from the start.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Um, So I think the other thing I really like about this chapter is uh, ever since the Cabal was awakened, it's just been, like, high pressure, right? I mean, ever since we first met them, really. Um, Yeah. And so it's nice to finally get a bit more of a feel of, like, who they are when they're just kind of hanging out. And that's what I think makes this chapter uh, kind of feel fun, even though there's not really any plot development in this chapter it's just we get a chance to see this group of friends in their downtime more or less and geeking out about you know diana's setup and, and all these little bits that are just kind of fun character interactions
1: yeah i, I agree it's a nice sort of refresher uh on just oh well, and, and not even a refresher like we learn a lot about a, a bunch of these other characters so it's just a cool sort of like taking a, a bit of a step off the accelerator and just sort of getting to deep or well, not deep dive, we're getting to dive into a bunch of people, including the Cabal, who have been, as you said, have been around, but we haven't really had a chance to see them in a non-life-threatening situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so next up, we visit the Sisters of the Torch in their very gaudy church slash sorority house, maybe. I mean I got like day spa vibes yeah, from it. Yeah, that's like fair. there's you know, there's little there's little corridors
1: of water running along the edges and everything's cherry wood and, and golden and there's candles. Like I, I take it back. The sisters have the coolest setup. Like so, mm. like yeah. They're just business women who like meet up to do m- their magic club at a day spa. Like, how do I sign up? This is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the thing I like about it is We've kind of got these notes of uh, the sisters being more powerful than they seem. They've always been a bit weak, obviously, in Blake's interactions with them so far. But um, uh, there's this one part that I really like that I don't think we pulled out, but where Blake thinks like, oh, this is actually impressive. Not as impressive as Conquest's territory, but actually if Elder Sister does become the Lord of Toronto, I can see how this would be like on, on Conquest's level, which I think is a very nice little characterization bit. Yeah, and and definitely hammers home that idea that they aren't
1: to be, you know, underestimated.
0: Yeah. Um, I love the costumes, costumes, the outfits that they're wearing, I suppose. Um, (laughs) Every one of the sisters wore a deep burgundy robe with one sleeve longer than the other. Their faces largely hidden, but for their lips, which were painted red. Uh, Which I just think is a great evocative description of them, like, shrouded in shadows, but you can just see their their red lipstick um, poking out from under it. It's very, like... It's perfectly on point for the sisters again, which which I love.
1: Yeah, it it perfectly suits that like classic secret society yeah. type thing, like the robes and all that, are, and and fits into their fire elemental theme as well. Yeah. it's it's great.
0: <laughs> and then the uh, the initiates, the the you know the pledges to the sorority are wearing sleeveless versions of the robes with with hoods though, which I think is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So elder sister says something to Blake here basically implying that he's not as affected by karma as he thinks and Blake's response is so what the the universe's vendetta against me is just a pattern i'm imagining and elder sister's like mm, yeah maybe like it's interesting i i don't agree with it i think we've seen enough you know bad fortune for blake that that i don't think it's right but i don't know it's an interesting point yeah i
1: i found it super interesting like i i sort of sat with this for a little while and, and had a big think about it and I think, I, I, I don't know, I think there's truth to both sides. I think this is the classic pact, like, it's both a little bit. Because, um, I mean, obviously, Isadora has been trying to tell Blake that this is more his fault than he believes. <laughs> um And I, I haven't really agreed with most of the way she's phrased it. But I think the, the way the elder sister put it here sort of the, made me think about it a slightly different way that I can kind of see what they're getting at a bit more. Which is like, I mean, as I sort of mentioned, Blake is just a bit of a maniac. Like, he's got a chance here to regroup and and kind of chill out and recover after capturing conquest and instead he's out scoping erasure demon lairs and like visiting all of his enemies in order to get his powers <laughs> back to enter the game. Like he at the very least he is someone who uh charges into the traps that karma is laying for him. Yeah. Um you, you know he he could work better uh at not putting himself in situations where karma has the opportunity to fuck him over.
0: Yeah, you're right that he he makes it a bit too easy for Karma, doesn't he? And then he's like, "Oh, it's not me; it's Karma's fault." I don't know. You're right that, that that's a a weak justification when he keeps taking that path that he takes. Yeah, it, it, it's like if the
1: if the universe is conspiring against you, don't keep walking across tightropes. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, so I think the other really interesting uh, thing that that I sort of had a think like, left me thinking after reading this was uh. Elder Sister sort of talks about how Rose has been infected by Conquest's radiation. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, we've heard a lot about Pose's radiation throughout this story. uh, And we we hadn't really ever thought that Conquest had radiation in that fashion. We obviously knew he had effects on his surroundings to some degree. Um, But, like, specifically the Elder Sister-Sister... Uh, Rose, you, you think it's a coincidence that you up and decided to form a killing squad of horrors. Yeah. Uh, which is a <laughs> hilarious perfect, little line. Yeah. Um,
0: it's like, oh like, yeah, uh, that uh. is weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and it just like, I, I think this idea that ever since she's spent so much time in Conquest's uh, aura, mm. uh, it, it, it does sort of partially explain at least, I think, why she's felt extra ruthless uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope. You know, I hope that that's, that's <laughs> part of it and the radiation will wear off. Yeah. Um,
0: it definitely is a, it, it makes sense as an explanation for why she's been, <laughs> you know, kind of heartless, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Blake kind of talks around this to himself later, but like, as the person who's standing beh- between her and owning the Thorburn estate and being corporeal, um, like, it's not really the sort of mindset he wants her in, like a con- conquering mindset. Yeah. Um. I also wonder, like, how much this was a thing for Fell as well like how much of his prickly attitude was conquest's aura uh, oh man sort of that's sad that's making me sad now elliot
0: <laughs> he was a, he was maybe just a really nice guy <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah i mean like could, could be we'll ne- we'll never know like yeah. um, do you, is this something you develop an immunity to or does it
0: just get its its claws in deeper ah <sighs> well sad um yeah, and the sisters of the torch they they kind of because of this uh, radiation that that Rose and Blake have they just don't want to deal with them basically. Um but they will deal with Alexis.
1: Yeah, well so my understanding here is basically Alexis is the collateral. Mm-hmm. Um right, so basically if Blake breaks the terms of the deal, uh Alexis has to answer three questions. That yeah. will not cause her or anyone she cares about harm. Which seems like, I mean, I sat on this for a while because I was like, so what's the catch? But yeah, there's like, got to right? be a trick here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, I was sitting here going, okay, so why do they want this? Like, what what horrific thing can they do here? And yeah, so it's almost like, I can't think of why this is bad, which makes
0: me even more scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I hope this Chekhov's gun doesn't pay off. <laughs> Um, it, it definitely gives me this vibe of, obviously, uh, I think it was the last chapter, Isadora talks about the idea of Blake being the central stone that's pulling all the other stones towards the the pond. And this feels like, oh yeah, slipping closer and closer.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is a little bit of a, uh, Alexis being dragged
0: down by him a bit. Yeah. The other thing here to me that's interesting is when, when, they, when they talk about Rose being tainted, Blake thinks, oh shit, you know, I better keep an eye on her. But he clearly doesn't ever consider him being tainted anymore. Like, it, it doesn't even, you know, he doesn't even give it a, a moment's thought. I wonder if Rose is thinking the same thing. <laughs> like, oh, Blake's tainted, better keep an eye on him. Like, <laughs> they're, they're both not very self-aware about it. I mean, well,
1: yeah, she she should have been thinking that for a while, presumably. Because, you know, obviously he got hit with a big dosage of poses radiation way yeah. back in Arc 4. Uh since then, who knows what kind of like Urkel or hyena or conquest radiation he's he's gathered up like uh you know people like people like Isadora have been complaining that he has a like uh, <laughs> cosmic stink to him for a yeah. while now, yeah uh and yeah you're right he hasn't really taken a step back for a while and thought, hey, you know, what have I got on me or you know no. I st- Still have never had to deal with the fact that maybe I was going to get possessed after I cut myself open in arc five. I mean, he probably wouldn't think of it in those words, but yeah, yeah more or less.
0: I, I think the thing I want to call out here is just, it feels like they're very, Blake especially, I mean, I'm assuming Rose too, but we don't see inside her head. It definitely gives me this vibe of like, he just is not, he, he he's really throwing stones without, <laughs> without, you know, without <laughs> ta- taking care of his own house, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so finally, with elder sister on board, uh, uh, with uh, Alexis' promise, uh, the cabal visits the shepherd. I can see why they saved this one for last. Well, I mean, <laughs> if this had gone badly, they might have needed to go to the uh, to the eye. So <laughs>
1: could it, it yeah. could be worse, I think. No, definitely, I, I can, yeah, I can see why this was last on, like, their list of three, because I can't imagine the Eye had even made the list, like, they pretty much had to get these three yeah. on board, yeah. because I I don't know, I don't know how it would have gone with the Eye, I. I, like, I can't see any way apart from the Eye just, like, throwing shit at them. Throwing cars at
0: them, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I want to pull out a line here, which I think is hilarious, where Blake uh, kind of borrows Alexis's phone and thinks, I was just glad that Alexis had a phone, the lack was an inconvenience sometimes. And so... We know that Blake used to have a phone, right? And it was eaten by, by Urkel, as you put it. Um, but I love that it. it was eaten so thoroughly that it's not like Blake is just going to go get a new phone. He's, like, retconned his opinion of himself to think, oh, yeah, I'm just the kind of person who doesn't have a phone. Like, he, he knows the inconvenience of not having a phone, but it's so he's kind of, like, tricked himself into justifying that he doesn't have a phone, so he's just not going to get one. It's so, it's so funny.
1: Yeah, well, his brain has had to rationalize why he wouldn't have had a phone. <laughs> yeah, and, and in fact, we sort of skipped over, but there's there's talk earlier in this chapter about exactly how like your brain tries to rationalize the yeah. missing uh, the missing things. And there's there's a topic brought up of like what happens if whatever disappeared was so fundamental that your brain can't mm. rationalize it. And they're like, oh, I don't know, I guess you just go crazy, which has me very concerned for uh, what what might be about to get lost. Like uh, 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 I'll talk about this in, in a bit, but yeah. um yeah, I'm very glad that I can't remember exactly who it was. Like I wish I could credit them, but we had a commenter sort of point out to us this whole phone thing a yeah. while ago. And that Blake and explicitly here, uses
0: it, his phone in, in the first or second chapter,
1: which yeah, is great. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad whoever that was pointed this out to us because it's been a fantastic, <laughs> like subtle thread to, yeah. to follow. Uh, like it's, it's this, It's this incredibly subtle little in-joke that Bo keeps injecting in the story.
0: (laughs) It makes me so happy that Blake is just like, yeah, I just am not the kind of person to have a phone. What about it? (laughs) Like, you would think that they would pick up on it at this point, but no, they just don't. Um, Yeah, it's it's classic. Um, uh, But the Shepherd does uh, back Blake after Evan does some convincing. And so Blake now has a majority on people saying, yes, you can use magic amongst Conquest's champions and so they move to start the factory attack no holds barred
1: yeah i i love this bit where evan just tears into the shepherd yeah. um i i don't know how much of a difference it actually makes uh in the end but it was it was just a bit cathartic i guess
0: yeah yeah no for sure and i think it i feel like it does make a difference like uh the shepherd was obviously a bit pissed off uh, back when this kind of first came up about blake having stolen evan from him in air quotes um And so having Evan kind of tear into him now, I think, makes that uh, wound a bit more raw, which I think is enough to to convince the shepherd. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, So the final few lines of this chapter include these two lines right next to each other, where Blake thinks, The hyena's hilt was a weight at my side. And then one line later says, let's get me my implement, which those two lines are way (laughs) too close to each other for my taste. Um, Yeah. It definitely feels like, again, Wadbo (laughs) is dangling the idea of the hyena being Blake's implement over our heads as a big fuck you to, to the stuff we talked about two chapters ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's such a concerning, it's such a concerning finish. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, so as you so said. That's the end of the chapter. And like, as we sort of said, this was very much a a refresh, a refresher chapter, or you know, like a calm. We take a step back and we we learn more about people uh, and we refresh ourselves on where everyone's at. Yeah. Um. And it's such it's so interesting that that's happening. What I know is one chapter before the end of the arc. Like that makes me think this is sort of a calm before the storm. Like I feel mm. like I feel like we're leading up to something big next chapter. Mm. But there are almost so many things we caught up with or learnt about. Like, it's it's too many pieces, and I'm not sure how they all fit together. What do you think um, is going
0: to be the big thing?
1: Yeah, I, I, my best guess at this point is, I, I think with all the Alexis glancing uh, going on and and the talk of um, how your brain tries to reconcile losing something so precious to you, I'm worried I am worried Alexis is going to bite it to Urkel mm. next chapter. Um, so, I mean, that's my best guess, and, and, and that'll do something to... Blake, like he, his brain won't be able to process someone so
0: fundamental to his existence uh, disappearing. Is this? Uh, do you feel strongly enough about this to to stake a prediction on it?
1: Um. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I probably don't, but you know, yeah, you you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take.
0: That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've written it down. It's an official prediction. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't. Okay. I I think I. Like, I, I get what you're saying, but I think thinking about the Knights of the Basement, I think it's impossible that they didn't lose people that were really close loved ones to them, right? Um,
1: no, we we had that talk of uh, one girl whose parents- they they think both her parents got eaten, yeah. and so she just sort of fell through the cracks, I think yeah. is the term they used. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was like- one of them it was her girlfriend and so he had these sort of vague ideas that he had a girlfriend yeah and that's what had happened to her but they weren't really sure
0: yeah i, I think it was that all her connections to the world got eaten away and then she just disappeared um what
1: well, was sort of like without without parents there was no way for everyone to reconcile like her existence yeah uh would be my it would be my understanding based on what we sort of talked about this chapter so it's almost just she just sort of yeah lost some of her fundamental connections to the to the universe and like nobody could really rationalize it and so she just slipped through the cracks of the universe
0: um yeah but i guess the thing i want to touch on was uh, they clearly lost people who were kind of fundamental i guess um yeah but they weren't broken they were kind of conceptually broken but they weren't like mentally broken you know so i, I suspect that if alexis does die blake will be kind of you know like set back of course but it doesn't feel like he's gonna i don't know it doesn't feel like it's gonna well, break his brain
1: <laughs> well we saw we saw just recently like how crucial she was to him recovering after yeah um you know the the extra bad vision Ooh, so yeah what, that's true <laughs> like what what that could do to him losing that part of like what you know she was clearly so fundamental to his recovery and losing all the memories of that could be like really bad for uh where he ends up
0: yeah that's a fair point uh no comment to that <laughs> um, oh dear speaking of comments though let's talk about some comments that were made on uh, void 7.10 5 years ago when it first came out and let me tell you elliot if you are interested in puns about no holds barred the comment section of void <laughs> 7.10 yes. is the place for you <laughs>
1: uh yeah it is it is chock full of them um <laughs> Uh, but I did manage to find one uh, by Inominate, uh that did not discuss No Holds Barred. Oh, thank um, God. We- you found one. Innominate <laughs> actually brought up, like, a number of interesting points, and I just wanted to highlight, like, a, a couple that I thought were particularly interesting. Um, so, something that I had missed until In- Inominate brought it up was um, there was no mention when they met the shepherd of, like, maybe trying to get fell back or- yeah. Or anything, which is just a bit of like it's cold, fuck guys, isn't it? <laughs> uh like, you know, at the very least there should have been a hey, do you reckon we can get Fell back? And the shepherd would have been like you know, would have Shake his mimed, head or whatever. Yeah. Mimed mimed fuck off or <laughs> something. Throw um, the finger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like I think I think I think Fell is at least owed the effort of asking. Uh, no,
0: apparently not, Elliot. Apparently <laughs> not. No, you're right. It's a it's a dick move.
1: Yeah, the other interesting point brought up in this uh, comment was uh, the idea of a smartphone as an implement for Tyler. Um, I think we talked like way back in Arc 2 uh, about the concept of a smartphone as an implement uh, and just sort of what that would mean. Uh, and and I've got to say, like, I can see how it would work for Ty. Uh, mm. It doesn't necessarily say the best thing when it comes to, like, how obsolete smartphones can get. Yeah. Uh, but it certainly fits him in a number of other ways.
0: Yeah, th- there was a comment underneath this one that talked about phones being obsolete after one or two years and that not being a great idea. And then there was a comment that I really liked by someone called Fish Scratch Fever that brought up the idea of having a phone number as an implement as like a along the same lines as a smartphone but a bit more future-proofed, which is a bit conceptual and weird, but I think it would be pretty cool. Like, it's a cool yeah. idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the, the sort of less, less conceptually... Um... Unique idea would just be to have like the SIM card or whatever be the yeah uh, be the actual implement, but uh, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I don't get the impression you could have something that abstract as an implement, but yeah, I guess sticking to rules that concretely uh, is is never a good idea. In fact, like yeah, I, I guess as long as you can convince the spirits that it's okay, like yeah, you, you can do, do anything, whatever right? you
0: want. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um I pulled out a comment by a user called Dragon, and this comment is a, a big. A big what if fan theory kind of thing with a lot of stuff in it, but I, I only really want to talk about one specific part of it, which is at the end. Dragon brings up the idea of uh, if things go well for Blake, maybe he'll end up with good lawyers, like an- angelic lawyers instead of demonic lawyers. And I really like that idea. Like, evil lawyers are here to kind of be shitty and lawyery for the overall evil. Uh, whereas l- good lawyers, obviously not uh, good with a capital G. Uh, or, yes, good with a capital G, but not lowercase good, I <laughs> suppose. Um, they they wouldn't be, like, super nice people, presumably, but they'd, do, they'd be kind of sanctimonious and they would do shady stuff, but it would be in the end for the greater good, which is totally Blake's whole MO anyway. So I, I think it kind of fits having these shitty angelic lawyers on side. I just... Yeah. cool. It's a cool idea. I think it's a cool idea, and I'd like to see it in the story.
1: I mean, I, I think the whole concept of the black lamb's blood type diabolist that that Blake is sort of going for mm. uh is that idea of like working in the dark to serve the light um which is sort of is sort of the the kinds of lawyers you're you're talking about i think um yeah I mean it's interesting, I think in black Lamb's blood, maybe that was the chapter there was a mention uh by the author who obviously had a religious upbringing that maybe they talked about angels as a thing yeah um. Like, which is interesting, because we we haven't really seen anything from that from like the capital G, good side. I yeah. mean, I have to imagine that they are they do not conform to my like modern lowercase G understanding of what good <laughs> is, because uh, yeah. otherwise I feel like they'd be doing more. Uh, but <laughs> maybe they're just uh, keeping
0: away from Blake. Honestly,
1: <laughs> I mean, I always liked uh, I always liked angels as they were introduced at the in the original part of. Uh, supernatural as I the sort of yeah as, as like the warriors of god um <laughs> yeah. that's always been my favorite interpretation of like you know they're warriors of capital g good but they're they're kind of dickheads and yeah um i mean i don't know if i don't know if we'll ever see an angel impact because we never we, or we haven't so far so yeah you know, i'd be interested to see what the i guess they'd sort of be the warriors of creation and upholding karma as it currently is i guess i, I don't know yeah, will say, yeah, you're right. It'll
0: be very interesting. Um, I really like the idea of of uh, taking biblical good and evil and adapting it uh, to a to a modern story. Um, actually, speaking of,
1: <laughs> <I knew laughs> what, it. what a segue! <laughs> am I, right um,
0: on on uh, Media MD uh, that the episode that we just released yesterday. Our other show, um, we uh, we just did an episode talking about good omens, which oh boy. If you like good and evil talk uh, this is the this is the book for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean obviously, you know, Good Omens was a great it's it's by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, so it's it's fantastic and obviously deals with a lot of the same uh you know, or it shares a lot of source material. Uh you know, they're both dealing with a lot of uh, theological stuff. Yeah. Uh so, you know, m- you know, if you like Pact, maybe give uh, Good Omens a chance, uh the TV show or the book. I'd probably recommend the book at this point. Um, yeah. But you can hear more on that in our MediaMD episode.
0: Yeah. If you want to find that, you can check out our website, which is MediaMDPodcast.com or our Twitter, which is at MediaMDPodcast.
1: Yes. Speaking of the MediaMD Twitter account, um, that is actually where you can find the live reads. So I've started doing live reads of the chapters on my first pass. Uh, so I just did one for this very chapter, 7.10. So you can find that on Twitter. and uh yeah, probably uh, within twenty four hours of this chapter going live, I'll be doing one four seven point eleven. So, uh, you, no, you don't subscribe on Twitter; you, you follow. Do
0: you- <laughs> yep, you're getting there, Elliot.
1: Do, do, you, do you still do do, we, do? do you smash the follow button? Yeah, is you that,
0: smash is- that retweet button on Twitter.
1: Okay, yeah. So do that, uh, and then you'll be able to see uh, future live reads if you if that's what you're into. Is there a, a
0: schedule for those, or it's just whenever the mood takes you?
1: uh there will be a schedule but i haven't i haven't quite figured it out yet uh so at the moment i'm just winging it but i promise that soon it will be scheduled and maybe even in the
0: doof media calendar yep um so if you want to check those out head over to the twitter or ellie you'll probably kind of announce when they happen on the doof discord right
1: Oh uh, yes, I'll definitely be uh posting links as I get started on the Doof Discord. The Doof Discord, course, what's what's that? <laughs> of course, is one of the perks for becoming a Doof Patreon. Uh and it's one of the best ones and it's only at the one dollar level, so uh it's definitely worth it.
0: You say this every time, Elliot. I've got it's driving me mental. It's so Patreon is like the site, but if you back it, you're a patron. Like so if if you're you're checking it out on the Doof Patreon, but you're like a patron,
1: right? Yeah. Well, I'm confused as to what I did. <laughs> all right, never mind. Never mind. I, I do just I do just sort of rush <laughs> through the <laughs> interchange, word and kind of m- it.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe it's just the connection. Um, so, uh, yeah, head head over to patreon.com slash doofmedia and you can uh, back uh, back the Doof Media Network and, and support all these great shows and get some great perks, like access to the Doof Discord and all kinds of other great things.
1: I see. I'm using Patreoning as a verb. I think that's what I'm doing wrong. Mm. Anyway. Um, you know, and while we're talking about Patreon, you can become a patron ah, of now, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's obviously a patron-backed uh, author, so we wouldn't have all these fantastic stories uh, if people weren't generous enough to donate him, uh, donate to him for his fantastic work. And you should do
0: that too if you yeah, can. Definitely. Um, if you want to engage with us, leave us your thoughts on Void Seven Point Ten. The best way to do that is in the discussion thread, which will be linked in the show notes down below. Uh, over on Reddit, we'll be discussing all of our favorite things about the episode. And, um, oh, we have a discussion question as well. Ah, I'm glad I remembered because I always forget about these. Uh, our discussion question is around being a, uh, actually being a patron fun, funnily enough. Um, (laughs) uh, let me pull up the specific wording of the question here. It's choose another that you wouldn't mind being the pet or familiar of. Why? um there's already some great answers in our discussion thread from 7.9 so uh make sure you leave us those answers in this discussion thread and we'll uh we'll get back to it next episode
1: yes uh and so apart from that we'll see you all next episode which of course will be 7.11 on monday the 1st of july
0: and uh enjoy mario maker everybody we'll see you next time heck yeah